Welcome to episode 20 of Building Blocks with Brendan. Today we connect with Amr from TTT Studios to learn how he was able to develop Shop Studio Live as an entrepreneur within the organization. What's really interesting about our conversation is entrepreneurship in general. Now that word has become more and more popular over the years with more individuals writing it down as a skill, adding it to a LinkedIn, but as well as more organizations looking to stay competitive in a ever changing world. What's really interesting in our conversation was really the approach they had to make it repeatable year over year over year over year. Currently, there has been two successful ventures coming out of the studio. But what's more interesting is learning about how a entrepreneur or a startup within a large organization differs from a brand new, fresh seed funded organization. And what you might be thinking is that, oh, well, if you work inside an organization, you have more cash flow. There's more money at your disposal. This should be dramatically easier. Your success rate should be astronomical. Well, just like everything in life, it's not as easy as it seems. A lot of these entrepreneurship or accelerator programs within large organizations tend to fail. And that's really due to the issue of almost assigning too many resources too early on. As a famous superhero saying goes, with more power comes more responsibility, or in the business sense, with more cash flow comes more expected ROI. And with a lot of larger organizations, there's more effective ways of spending their money than throwing it into some startups here and there, especially if they have to fund it internally. However, TTT Studios has done it differently by developing a process that is not only repeatable, but allows for success at a much higher rate than you would typically see. Over our conversation, we go over how Amr was able to develop this process, how he was able to take an idea, bring in his whole team to come up with the idea creation, move it along the stages, get external validation, speak with potential customers, develop a business plan, all while really keeping it as bootstrappy as possible. And that was really one of the keys to success. And that is only using as much as you can. We talk about how some organizations fail, what's making them different, but most importantly, some lessons they've learned over their time. What I found very interesting is that one thing you always hear from founders or it's more and more common these days is that getting more money doesn't mean you have more success. In fact, having too much money can actually make you fail faster. And as I spoke about before, it's the idea that the more money you have, the larger ROI you get. You know, if you have a $10,000 seed fund and you raise your business to do $200,000, that's a 20x return. But if it's a million dollars, you have to get to $20 million. That is wildly more money and a lot harder to scale. So we talk about how Amar was able to break up resources, develop a plan so that he brought in people when, re when time was required, but not, not too early, not to, to you know, put the horse above the cart or cart above the horse. That's the appropriate saying. So hopefully you guys enjoy this episode, learn a bit more about what it means to in, be an entrepreneur and how organizations can innovate internally without having to constantly acquire new and new businesses. Hopefully you guys just enjoy this episode. Check out Shop Studio Live as they've just become, they just got live and have allowed individuals and organizations across North America to create a selling experience that is quite unique. Thank you so much for joining me today. Um, we met obviously like some other guests through the MBA, through UBC, but compared to a lot of people I've spoken to, you have a very interesting thing, kind of what you're doing today. It's very unique, very much still entrepreneurship, entrepreneurship as well, but 
as we spoke to a little bit about before starting this recording was that building a process around it, trying to really make it repeatable, not just a one-off thing. So I guess to start off, introduce yourself. What do you currently do and kind of how did you get to where we are today? Awesome. Uh, thanks for having me, Brendan. Really appreciate it. Uh, I'll, I'll do the uh, longtime listener. You know, it's like a, the radio, but yeah, uh, lo love listening to Building Blocks and, and uh, the people that you've had uh, brought on. Uh, so yeah, I'm the director of product and innovation at THC Studios, uh, and THC Studios is a Vancouver-based uh, design in, uh, innovation studio. Mm -hmm. Essentially, we help businesses build software uh, or solve business problems through technology. That's really the main goal for THC Studios. Uh, we've been around for about 12 years doing that. I joined about two years ago to help THC Studios do the same thing, but instead of doing it for clients, doing it for ourselves. So essentially my role and what I've been able to do over the last two years is to create a process around, you know, internal innovation uh, and everything from ideation, you know, validation and kind of launch uh, of new products um, and uh, taking them to market and, uh, you know, both doing it and then also doing the process at the same time. So it's been a lot of uh, fun and, and definitely uh, the MBA was kind of the stepping stone for me into, into the space. Sure. And so, you know, you've worked on a few different products that were, you know, I guess businesses as well. How does that start? Is there a, you know, a monthly, a weekly, like ideation session? Is it one of the employees mm -hmm. who comes up with an idea they think would solve a solution? How does the initial ideas form. Yeah. So it, it's varied so far. And I think we're very open to how that happens. Mm -hmm. So the first product we worked on, uh, which is called Amanda AI, a facial recognition product for event check-in was kind of the brainchild of one of the staff members who had done his master's degree in kind of the 3D uh, modeling and facial, re facial recognition uh, space uh, and had built his own algorithm. And, you know, the company decided to you know, put some uh, resources behind that and see if we can create a business around it. So that came, you know, very much uh, based on some employees, you know, existing work uh, who kind of became a co-founder of that product as well. Um, however, what we're trying to now, as we're trying to create more of a process around this, we're trying to engage our staff. So the way we did it is, you know, we decided that we wanted to start a new uh, idea or product. Um, we do a very wide theme, let's say. So, you know, really our theme in our last kind of ideation sprint was, you know, the world during and after the coronavirus, like very much what, what is on the precipice uh, and what's going to come, what's going to be coming in the future. Uh, and then what we do, is a, it's an engagement process. So like you said, we, we went in and talked to our employees. So I did interviews with probably about 20 staff members. We had, whether it's like, those were all calls, but then we also had the option of people submitting things through like a survey. Uh, we kind of took those ideas, again, created a process around uh, how we validate them and then ended up with a few, few, you know, a smaller number of ideas that we kind of did a more, more deep dives into. Um, but yeah, very much, you know, we were very open to how we do that. Um, and, you know, we're hoping to do these sprints, hopefully on an annual basis or, you know, maybe twice a year to essentially be able to create products uh, more regularly. So that's really interesting. I feel like mm -hmm. that's, it's, I like how it's a combination of both, you know, you really, it came from one employee and then as well as trying to develop a way to make it a little more consistent. So I think that's one of the things you always hear about is, is can you like not force creativity, but can you make it a structured creativity mm -hmm. or does it always have to be, you know, top of my, a random thought, like the eureka moment. And I think there's really a way of comp, you know, combination of both. A lot of times, unless you have to 
solve a problem, you never really think of any solutions. So I like mm-hmm. the combination of both what you were saying. You, ha- you mm-hmm. start very broad, but the key is I always find you have to start with a problem you're trying to solve. Mm-hmm. And for you, it was like, what, how has life changed after COVID? And then from there, getting ideas. By, but what's really interesting, well, I guess what I'm curious about is mm-hmm. when you get all these ideas, do you have a, like a template in your mind prior to seeing them to like rank them? Or is you go into a room, you know, do them on the whiteboard and kind of mm-hmm. say, because I know with an idea, uh, a lot of times there can be a lot to it. Like the idea might sound bad, not, never bad, but maybe not make a lot of sense. But then when you understand what it really means, there could be something. How mm-hmm. do you go from that ideation process? Is it just a, like a description of what the idea is? Is it just mm-hmm. one word? Or do you then talk to follow up with some ideas you might see promising? No, that's a great question. Yeah. So the way we went about doing that, uh, you know, the first this this time around was I put together a scorecard kind of based on, uh, you know, a broad sense of, you know, market product, potentially even team. Like, could we even rally a team around an idea like this? Uh, which is, you know, how often, you know, a VC might look at, a, at an early stage product or a company. Uh, so it was a very like, basic scorecard when we were looking at that set of about 30 to 40 uh, ideas. And and I think one thing to also emphasize is instead of actually pitching them, uh, telling our staff to give us ideas, what we said, you know, what problems are you facing or what problems do you expect that we have? So we actually tried to start at the problem stage. So eventually what would happen is we had certain problems that then might have had, you know, uh, you know, idea A, idea B, idea C, because hey, it's a cool problem and we could probably solve it in these two or three different ways. Um, so we try to keep all those doors open uh, in a sense. So we definitely got the problem pitches first mm-hmm. and then kind of looked at those uh, through the, let's say, scorecard, uh, which again, I had prepared prior to the process, had spoken to you know our management team about, you know this is how we want to do it. And also was the one who, um, not, not on my own, but like it was something I got everyone on the executive team to also look through. So the actual, um, first of all, it's a quantitative assessment. <laughs> so not to make, make it sound like too much too much like school or what have you, but but really we, we scored the ideas individually to kind of the average of them, see what, looked at which ones kind of, let's say rose, uh, or maybe let's say the top 10 or top five, and which ones maybe didn't or had problems. But then we, I believe, had at least two, if not three meetings where it was like what you described. So we said, okay, well, hey, we have these 10 ideas. How do you go from 10 to three or four? Uh, and actually, because we, we once we get to that number, we're now actually spending more time and resources on deep, like deeper dives into them. And those were discussion meetings. And, and you know, it came down to things like, hey, you know what? This is too technical, uh, like in, in a specific industry vertical. So maybe it's not really, it's a problem, but maybe it's not for us to tackle. To things that where it's like, well, maybe this is something that just doesn't align with our mission or vision for the entire company. So maybe that's not something we should tackle. And that came out more in that discussion session. Uh, that's like more qualitative versus the quantitative scorecard, uh, mm-hmm. you know, phase. So yeah, mm-hmm. no, I like that a lot. I've done some research and some work on like brainstorming, like just developing a methodology mm-hmm. for brainstorming. Mm-hmm. And as you're, I mean, as you're right now, brainstorming is not something that can easily be done. That's why a lot of people hire consultants, or it's mm-hmm. a full, like it's a process. You just can't yeah. be. Oh, we have a whiteboard. Let's throw ideas down. And I like how you said you start off with a problem and then possible solutions, because I find. Once you have a problem or a good problem, it's a lot easier than first thing of solutions, but also mm-hmm. frame what they're trying to solve. Um, yeah. And also sometimes ideas come together. Yeah, and, yeah then, true. and 
what I found interesting also how you said it is you went from like the 30 to the 10, but then had a different process once you got to those 10 strong ideas to go through it. I think that's one challenge I've seen a few times is you try to go from, you know, a hundred to one in one day or in mm-hmm. one meeting. And it's, I wouldn't say, I don't know you could for sure do it, but I don't think you'd ever get a good quality. Cause like you said, mm-hmm. there's other lenses you have to look through and then scoring independently yeah. is always great. No yeah. matter, I always found even in like group work in, in school where everyone's a student, there is no mm-hmm. one should have a influence on the rest of the team members. What happens is when you score together, everyone starts just group think just because we're yeah. going to leave this meeting or, <laughs> oh, I like what, what would always happen is, especially if it was like a tech problem, I'm like, oh, I'm not that tech focused on a dev side. Well, this person said this idea was better. He must know something I don't. And a lot of yeah, times yeah. they're like, oh, True. it's everyone's opinion. So I like how you kind yeah. of broke it up and made, like you were saying before, made a process to solve it. True. So yes. when it comes to ranking them, obviously this you know organization you'd be starting or the, you know, the company within the company, mm-hmm. there is a lot of people that, you know, people in time that has to be spent towards it. At that stage, are you looking at who in the organization can hop on this project? And then do they work? Is the idea they would work part-time or is, are you making a separate mm-hmm. company separate from the you know, main TTT studios? Kind of how does that work? Yeah. So what we try to do is we try to like, let's say push off the spin out, uh, let's say point until we have the product you know, let's say whether it's an MVP or the actual product itself validated in the market, oh, um, we'll, we'll get, we'll talk a bit more about, you know, our current product. And I think we're getting there now, which mm-hmm. is kind of exciting. Um, but because we have a lot of these internal resources, what we really try to do is, you know, when we do have this idea solution combination, we've, uh, and then maybe we're down to four, we're now doing more validation externally as well with more stakeholders as well. So actual customers, um, and that starts off again with just maybe general dive, the deep dives into the problem. When we start kind of developing solutions, we start again, deep diving with potential, you know, UX, uh, wireframes or, you know, wow. mm-hmm. uh, to, to kind of see if we built this, is this something you would use or do you think, you know, your customers would use this? Um, so, you know, when we do get down to four ideas, again, one of, I guess the biggest themes I'm really trying to bring to TT Studios, even though we're a software developing company, is let's postpone the development as much as possible because that's the most resource intensive thing. Mm -hmm. So how much can I do on business and design uh, or, you know, and, and, you know, customer engagement or user engagement up front so that when we actually start deciding, you know, we're ready to code, we know almost exactly what we want to build. Um, And so that's, I'd say, like kind of our approach. So for us, for example, we went from, you know, so 30 ideas to 10, turned 10 to about four. And those were the four we kind of did the deep dive into. And then from the four, we ended up picking one again through kind of an, another scorecard mm-hmm. methodology. Uh, but also kind of the one other cool thing here that I'll also emphasize is that because, you know, we went with one idea, we still now have three, I'd say, reasonably healthy uh, potential ideas on our shelf as well. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of cool because, you know, next time around, we'll, we'll probably start the ideation process from scratch. Mm-hmm. But we also know at any time that, you know, we have these three potential uh, ideas and maybe it, it, it might be a matter of, you know, someone comes to us uh, with a problem that's related to that space. And we're like, hey, we, we maybe can work together. And, and because we mm-hmm. think this is an area of opportunity as well. So it kind of makes it interesting because, you know, the ideas that you, let's say, kill, <laughs> there's ones that are definitely not going to be 
you know, ones we work on, but there's still some, I would argue that, you know, maybe one or two that might not have gotten picked the, the first time around, but maybe their market has evolved or their, you know, the, 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 that space has changed in, you know, the year since you've analyzed them. Um, so not to sound like, you know, we, we try not to be attached to the ideas, yeah. but it's kind of nice to always know that, you know, there's usually something that you can, that's maybe on the shelf there as well. And I, th I think that's one cool thing is if you went through the analysis of certain ideas, even if they don't work, it could be one of those things where the market changes and you're like, oh, mm -hmm. the reason we dis discarded this idea or killed this idea, tech is so violent. It's always, you know, killing everything. But, yeah. you know, maybe it could be we killed this idea because the market wasn't there or the customer interest wasn't there. And then, I mean, working with other customers, one day you never know, they might be saying, Mm -hmm. Oh, hey, we're looking for this one product that does this. And you're like, well, funny enough, we actually yeah. have some ideas around this and you have something to kind of mm -hmm. work towards. Um, so, you know, you filter it down, you get to, to one idea. Now, one thing that always can sometimes ha happen when coming with ideas is that the individual who came up with it might feel like it's theirs always. And that's no matter how, you know, that's can always be a challenge. How does that happen? Does the individual who came up mm -hmm. with the idea, do they help contribute at that stage? Do they help along the way? Or do you really say, hey, look, this was the idea. Now we have to develop a business that might be completely separate. Mm -hmm. How do you kind of break, I don't know if break's the right word, but separate that connection from the person who invented the idea versus sure. what the business is going to be? Yeah, no, that's a good point. Um, I think one thing that we, I remember pitching to the team and I, actually this came up, I think from an internally from a team member. Um, and, and we very much said early on in the process, we said, hey, if you have an idea that you think you're going to pursue um, on your own or what, or what have you, like, like, don't feel like you have to share ideas with us. Like, mm -hmm. you know, we, we're really here, uh, you know, if you have an idea or a problem that you, because of personal passion or desire, want to see a solution for. Uh, so that's really kind of what we tried to emphasize early on. Mm -hmm. And we also said that, hey, like if, uh, you know, as an employee, we never like promised anything, let's say up front, but we were very clear that if the there was alignment with, you know, what you were doing for your work or, and mm -hmm. you wanting or had the desire to be, you know, an advisor or consultant or become a co-founder on this idea, there's definitely potential. So kind of encouraging in the sense of like, hey, we can't promise anything. An idea is just an idea. There's millions of them out there. Yeah. Um, but, you know, at the same time, if if um, things kind of work out in a certain way or, you know, throughout the process, we can engage that person and see if there's a fit. We haven't really had that, you know, had any problems with that yet. But, you know, again, maybe in the future, that's something we have to be much more clear about up front as well. Because, yeah, it could definitely be a, a you know, a source of uh, issue or conflict really in the future mm -hmm. too. No, but, but I like the idea of you just saying, hey, look, like this idea, I think setting the groundwork is so important. We're looking for an idea that TTT is going to make a business out of. If you have a business that you want to start, don't like, don't bring that up because then it's super awkward to be like, oh, I came up with the idea. And then you're like, well, mm -hmm. TTT is building it. Yeah, but yeah. I, I, like, I, I always think that's a fair conversation to have in the beginning and make apparent that like, this is what the intentions are. And obviously within your organization being a, you know, tech focused company, I feel that is more common, especially mm -hmm. in tech, realize things are being developed much more quickly. There's everyone's mm -hmm. giving input and it's more of a group effort than anyone, yeah. indi one individual really taking all the, uh, for yeah. anyone, all the, uh, praise. Glory. And when we did that kind of in a town hall style setting, so like after, you know, we created the process and, and we're planning to start it, I believe we did like a town hall mm -hmm. with the company and that's where, you know, we had a lot of questions come up and it was, you know, again, worth 
obviously that that transparency and then you know in a lot of contexts you know we are still you know a startup studio in its earliest stages but i think you know the those types of details will yeah kind of uh, evolve as we do as well so <laughs> i don't know for sure and yeah. so what was the idea you know you're, you're now yeah I think it, you spoke more about it on was it july 7th when it was being yeah, yeah i mean or... i think yesterday technically was our uh, official oh, kind of launch oh, yeah. date actually yeah yeah so it's yeah it's it's, it's uh it's definitely still fresh <laughs> hot off the press here um but yeah so the essentially the idea that and i'll kind of start with a solution up front first yeah. and essentially what we built is a product called shop studio live mm-hmm. and essentially it's a live shopping product and what that means it's it allows e-commerce merchants to mm-hmm. embed a live stream video a live chat and featured products directly in their online store. And so the best kind of image I can paint is that let's say you're in, uh, you're, you know, you're going to buy these new uh, shoes online and, you know, maybe they're from a uh, fancy Vancouver based retailer and you're kind of browsing, but instead of there being kind of just a chat button on the side, you actually see uh, maybe a sales associate there talking about the latest shoes that have dropped, you know, that day, and they're maybe going through some of the features and they're testing how they're, you know, water resistant and mm-hmm. uh, what they can do with, the, you know, cool activities they can do with the shoes. Um, so that's ultimately what it is. So instead of kind of seeing that chat bubble, you're actually just seeing a video there mm-hmm. that you can then expand and also chat with and react to and, and browse products mm-hmm. through as well. Um, and our idea there, so really when we kind of look at it and going back to the problem, mm-hmm. Um, really for us, it was, we were thinking about, well, how is e-commerce going to change because of COVID? Um, and really a big part of, um, part of it was hearing a lot of merchants saying that they were feeling helpless. Like while e-commerce was obviously doing well, a lot of, let's say small and medium merchants were saying things like, Hey, I'm, I put money into Facebook ads. They seem to work most of the time. People come to my website. I do all the things that I'm told to do, like have good images and, you know, put a chat bubble on my website and, uh, you know, have good product descriptions and things like that. But I I feel helpless. I don't feel like I'm doing anything active. And as we dug more and more into that, it was that sense of, you know, being a retailer, let's say, that has their own uh, store or connection with their customers doesn't exist as much um, in an e-commerce setting. And not only that, when we start talking more to them about, you know, well, why? Like, we're really kind of digging in, like, well, you have tools like Instagram Live. Like, this isn't, you know, like, tell us more about, you know, what are you doing right now to feel that engagement? And people would say, hey, we're, we're, we're live streaming. But, you know, I get a bunch of viewers and, and it's people who see the, you know, Instagram notification, click on it, watch for 30 seconds and leave. Right. And so for us, when we started thinking of solutions, we started thinking about, well, how can we capture those people that are in the consideration set so people who know the product know the brand might already be shopping right and it really kind of pushed them from that consideration to the conversion step mm-hmm. so I, I definitely like to emphasize that because you know again there are a lot of awareness level marketing mm-hmm. solutions let's say that are in the live streaming space uh, but really for us you know the vision for the product is creating that human connection to ultimately get shoppers to go from considering you know, buying something to actually buying it. That that is so interesting because mostly when you think of ideas, especially within tech, it's always the like you said awareness stage. Like, how do I get my product aware? Now they're the you know now that everyone's aware of my product, they're in the website and buy it. But anyone who you know when you study anything business related, there's so many there's a few other stages in between that. Just because you know a product doesn't mean you're necessarily going to buy mm-hmm. it. 
And just because you're on a website doesn't always mean you're going to buy anything from the website either. You can always be searching around. So I find it interesting that the idea was, and I like how you made it clear that there's products for awareness, but there's not a lot of like, almost like the human feel in regards to consideration or really getting that personal touch when within store, especially when you're, when you're buying anything I find is mm -hmm. that like when I'm shopping, like there, there's always a few things I'm looking between or stores I'm going to, but then it's like, okay, I have a question. I don't want to either ask chat or it's like, I have a very simple question. I was going to buy it, but I don't feel like saying an email or mm -hmm. I don't feel like doing chat. It's, uh, it's not going to do, but having that button where it's like, Oh, a real person. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, even with all the AI, it's always nice to see someone and talk mm -hmm. to someone. And Zoom made that obvious. Is like, oh, why isn't your camera on? What's yeah. wrong? It's like, why does that make a difference? But yeah. that human element always is huge. So I found that very interesting because I would have never, mm -hmm. you know, considered that as a even an option. Even though we have cameras, it seems so obvious yeah. that really doesn't seem like something that is that blatantly obvious. And also. Unless talking to and you were able to talk to retailers, I would have never mm -hmm. even thought of that as being a challenge. So mm -hmm. I like how you know it was connected to COVID and everything, kind of making that next stage. So when you when you were talking to individuals, was the was there any type of business you felt or you've seen fits better for this versus mm -hmm. others, or have you seen across the board that all retailers yeah. are feeling these struggles? So I mean, I'd say yeah, we talked to a good chunk of people, mm -hmm. both you know us requesting to talk to people. We also kind of ran a, before we even built anything, this was back last year, we kind of ran a fake marketing campaign to see if there's even interest and kind of looked at what kind of company signed up uh, and then followed up with them. So I'd say we kind of got an interesting like wide selection of companies, but I would say the ones that kind of stuck out or the ones that we had the most uh, number of where I would almost, like I don't know what the category is, but I would almost call the category like specialty retail. So someone who was selling something that almost no one else was making, uh, but they were kind of selling it at a scale where, you know, it's not an Etsy product, it's a Shopify product that they're making multiples of. So some examples of that was, you know, uh, a, a Shopify store for unique socks. So there was someone who made socks kind of based on, you know, uh, novelty things, but also very much like news related. So they were always on top of funny quotes that happened in the news and they would make socks around that. Uh, a brand that's doing, um, you know, um, like handbags, purses and things like that. But the only like only graphics on that is of corgis, for example. So like just companies that had something uh, that they wanted to show off and maybe they already were, you know, had a good social media following uh, related to that novelty product uh, where I'd say the most of the ones we saw. Mm -hmm. Other ones, I'd say other categories that are maybe more, you know, generic that I'm glad we saw some early validation of those is like health and beauty. So a lot of companies that were either selling things like supplements or things like, you know, soaps, lotions, hair products and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, and that's, I'd say what we've seen so far. I'm excited to kind of see more. Uh, right now we're, are, we've kept our kind of tool, um, uh, you know, Shop Studio Live more as a, like a tool to, to, so that you know the the merchants can be as creative as possible and use it how they want. But I definitely think that as we maybe niche into different industries, we'll create more specific features for those you know subsets uh, or, uh, or customer segments. Uh, that's so interesting. I always think for a lot. I mean, you brought up supplements that would make, made a lot of sense as well. It's like those items mm -hmm. that are. I, I, for me, for example, like supplements would always seem like something that's quite simple. Like, okay, I need a protein powder. I need something. But mm -hmm. if you ever try Googling it, there's a thousand different yeah. ones. You're like, 
And the problem with a lot of these products nowadays sometimes is that all of them are pretty good. Sometimes all of them are okay. Like you can right. never go wrong, but there's always that buyer's remorse where like, was this the best one? And all, mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of times every time I go to a retail store, even if I know what I'm going to buy, just someone saying, you know, that's a great choice. I tried that. I'm a yeah, fan. Yeah. You're like, oh, someone else likes it. Yeah. I know I'm right. Like it's just that extra level of validation to see a human agree with you that you made the right decision can make yeah, such a big exactly. difference. Which is actually funny because I realize that's exactly what happens when I walk to Body Energy Club or Popeyes. Mm-hmm. That's exactly like there's probably like a thousand products there, and whatever you touch, the sales associate will be like, "Oh yeah, like that's a great product." They probably haven't tried you know a thousand yeah. products, but like you said, that little bit of human proof, that social proof, even if it's coming from a sales associate, might kind of push you know push mm-hmm. the purchaser across uh, the finish line. So it's kind of interesting, uh, interesting point. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so, especially yeah. for like building a brand, having that customer yeah. retention, I think, especially on the customer retention, just having mm-hmm. that more positive experience. Mm-hmm. So I'm pretty new to the whole Shopify world. So kind yeah. of you just launched things, you know, things are kind of ramping up now. How, how does it work? Like, do you have a s- specific niche you're focused on? Do you mm-hmm. kind of just keep it open to anyone? Yeah. who wants to subs- sign up and subscribe to it. Kind of how does that work on the business sense now yeah. that you're live? Sure. Yeah, so it's obviously been very interesting for us because we've had to learn that space as we've grown. And I think for us, I'd also almost say strategically, while we you know valued this problem and saw the market potential for it, um, we also wanted to learn about Shopify. So we looked at the Shopify platform last year and we're like, we actually haven't really... Um, we've, we have limited experience, let's say, mm-hmm. with e-commerce and Shopify as, as TT Studios even as a whole. Mm-hmm. So why don't we actually challenge ourselves in, in a way, if it makes from a, you know, if there's a business case here to build our app on Shopify. And, you know, as we started looking, we're like, you know, this, it makes the most sense. Uh, mm-hmm. Shopify has, I think now, I think over 1.7 million merchants mm-hmm. uh, or so they claim. They have an app store ecosystem that's very strong. Um they just actually made some huge announcements like two weeks ago that, you know, previously they used to take, you know, 20% of, uh, you know, the revenue that you would make, which is very common for app stores like iPhone and Google Play and things like that. However, last week they announced that they're no longer taking a cut at all unless you're a developer that makes over a million dollars on their platform. Oh, so it's wow. actually a huge, you know, benefit for any small and medium developers that think that they're going to be making apps and want to make, you know, $999,000 a year yeah. uh, to start, right? And then after that, you do pay, but you obviously only pay a portion of that, yeah. of whatever you make above a million. So again, being very smart about how they do things. Um, so it's, it's exciting to see. And I think one kind of interesting you know, metric uh, that, that stuck with me from their last, again, big announcement was mm-hmm. out of the companies that are in their you know, uh, um, app store ecosystem, I believe there's four unicorns. So imagine that like, not only is obviously Shopify this huge company that's on the stock exchange, now companies that are building, you know, using that platform or on top of that platform are themselves becoming these huge uh, businesses as well. Uh, so again, a very interesting, I think, strategic uh, business play. But then when we think about the user, again, that's where we, we see, you know, again, millions of users, an app store ecosystem that's very robust. Um, it there, I would say there were more on the development and technical sides, a bit of a learning curve for mm-hmm. our team members. But, uh, now that we've, I'd say laid down the foundation, everything seems a lot easier. So it took us a while to make sure everything's fast and everything authenticates the way, we, you know, Shopify needs it to authenticate, which usually isn't really the best kind of route for an early product. Cause you kind of usually want to get something out there to, to take it to market. Yeah. 
but I would argue, you know, or the hope here is that, you know, this, you know, the Shopify app store in a way is our go-to-market strategy. So obviously have, you know, strategies to reach out to people. We have a mailing list and a wait list already and things like that. But now that the app is available on the app store, any merchant who's searching for, you know, a video commerce solution, any merchant who types the word live shopping or video commerce or shoppable videos mm-hmm. finds us on there uh, and then can download it and try it out, uh, you know, try out the app before they subscribe. So, mm-hmm. you know, again, it's it's been a really interesting learning curve, very strong platform uh, that's obviously just, you know, continuing to grow mm-hmm. really, really rapidly. And I think our kind of, you know, way go to market strategy was to build on, on this platform. That's so interesting, especially that the 20% cut to zero for up mm-hmm. to a million is huge, especially for a lot, I don't know if it's called indie development, mm-hmm. out, anywhere outside the game world. But sure. like, if you think about it, someone who, I know for a lot of these, like the Salesforce marketplace and all, I mean, there's businesses, like you said, there are mm-hmm. hundred million, I guess you say billion dollar businesses who only really operate within a marketplace of another company, which is, mm-hmm. I would have never thought... I would have never thought that would be such a big business, but you see it mm-hmm. everywhere else. It can be huge. Um, but what, what I was saying was it's super interesting that, that the 20% removal up to a million, because like for a lot of those smart developers, that is quite a bit of money to give up, especially mm-hmm. if it's not, if something you're trying out that even though it, I think even, even from Shopify's sense, like the 20% of a million dollars being 200,000, a lot of money for sure. But, they're worth billions and billions. Mm-hmm. So it's if you can get someone to get past yeah. a million, you're like, okay, yeah. this is perfect. Like the it's always so interesting how on a business sense it makes it seems makes so much sense. Um, but it really introduces a lot more people into the ecosystem. Exactly. And I think for us it's kind of interesting, right? Like we're thinking I, you know, again, this is partially like the MBA side of things, but you start thinking about the, you know, the the Shopify people that had to make that decision and probably looking at the data and saying, hey, we have enough companies that are now making over a million dollars that the um, you know the revenues we were making mm-hmm. from that group is more than enough to maybe support that ecosystem, mm-hmm. and you know we we're maybe seeing the you know this many startups joining the the, the app store, this many of them actually making it through, so making more than a million a year, uh, and so this actually maybe makes more sense if we can get more like in a way by making this, hopefully what they're probably doing is, is widening the top of the funnel. So getting more yeah. startups in and then hoping that also the bottom of funnel, like even if it widens a little bit, it widens a little bit, but it, it's widening at a much like larger dollar yeah. amount. Um, yeah. So it's super interesting to see. And they were actually really, I, I would honestly say like we had like a lot of, um, they've been changing the platform a lot and evolving the platform. So we've had to adapt, um, mm-hmm. To those changes, which was always never easy because, you know, you want to just develop something once and not have to go back to do it, you know, or fix it multiple times. Uh, but I would also say that, you know, their review process, you know, when, once your app is on the app store is, is a very strong and, and you know, they helped us, I would almost argue, make our app better and faster, um, you know, by the time it, it got to the app store. So I, I, I almost was just excited about that as well on its own too. So but that's yeah. so exciting. And so now that it's live, Within TTD Studio, is there now a like separate team, like or, or are people still working a portion of their time? How does that work on the employee mm-hmm. side of things yeah. now that you're kind of going forward with that? Good question. Yeah, so I mean, it's all kind of a uh, evolution and progress, really. Mm-hmm. So just to quickly maybe describe our previous structure mm-hmm. with uh, Amanda AI, 
for example, that time that was just myself and a co-founder. Mm -hmm. Then once we started feeling like there was some traction and, uh, for example, we were able to get some non-dilutive funding, mm -hmm. we built a, another team of, we added a designer and another engineer. So we had a team of four mm -hmm. that are working on this full time. That was the previous idea. With this one, uh, so far, we've built it mostly through, um, you know, internal resources, uh, so an internal team, uh, some amazing co-ops that have been, you know, fantastic at helping us both on the development and business side. Um, but I think, again, we're now coming down to the, to the time where, you know, once we get that maybe early validation in the next few weeks to months, uh, we'll definitely start seeking out a team to lead this new product. Mm -hmm. So it would actually be someone, you know, to potentially of the technical side, bringing in someone who can lead the business side even, mm -hmm. and then that would allow me to go back and do it all over again. And that's kind of our, our you know, our goal with a startup studio model is that if we can actually hire in, um, you know, a team uh, to take things that are validated, like take a validated concept to scale it or, you know, try to scale it, um, you know, is, is definitely kind of an interesting uh, approach. Um, and hopefully in that sense, too, we find maybe people that are aligned with, you know, our values and aligned with maybe have a more industry specific experience or, you know, uh, whether it's in e-commerce or marketing, for example, and really take this to the next level. Mm -hmm. uh, but really in the meantime, our, our focus, so myself, uh, a few of our co-ops and some of our internal resources who will be kind of more on the project part time mm -hmm. uh, is to yeah make sure the app's stable, continue kind of building out our roadmap uh, for our features um and uh just yeah making sure that we are going to always be kind of mm -hmm. at least one step ahead of where we want to be uh or where maybe some of our competitors might come in uh, and be so really trying to stay uh yeah stay competitive and and go to market that that's so interesting i feel, I feel like i mean i haven't heard many businesses who have really had an internal i guess like startups within the company mm -hmm. i always hear about like companies having their own accelerator programs mm -hmm. and I know a lot of them do fail. Like it's very hard, it seems, to have any success within trying to create creativity internally. Um, for I think it's for a multitude of reasons. One, uh, as you know, startups can be relatively risky. Mm -hmm. So any dollar spent to one idea could be easily converted into hard cash doing what they're doing today. How, I guess, how did that, how did you get past that? Or was it, mm. like kind of, how did it start at the top? Because... Yeah. Creating ideas is great. You could have an amazing idea that makes a ton of money, mm -hmm. but it's businesses are inherently relatively safe. So yeah. how do you convince them to say, hey, look, we are making money. You know, this these developers are giving value here, guaranteed value. You know, they're making more than their paycheck. Mm -hmm. Let's take them out and take a risk here mm -hmm. for possibly, depending on you don't have to go into like what your ROI timeline is, but mm -hmm. really taking that risk. How did that happen? Yeah. Was it I'm assuming top down or kind so of so kind of yeah started. exactly two two things here. So I think first of all yeah the top down approach. So I would say that I think the founders of TC Studios um, and the executive team had always had that desire to build their own things. I think I think part of what we love and and this you know is building things uh, that we enjoy you know want to build and enjoy building and and the idea or the prospect almost of being able to do that um, as an organization is definitely a big pull and also like having our own startups. You know, that, that is definitely top down. It's coming from the leadership team that made that decision. I think I, I would at least like to think that our kind of early success with Amanda AI, you know, prior to COVID showed, provided some signal that this is actually possible. So, hey, mm -hmm. if we actually get lucky with the idea and with a lot of hard work and determination with, you know, some small resources, we mm -hmm. could actually see a path 
to how an idea can make it big. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I think, you know, those two things combined. So I would say, you know, that first experiment of a product and then, you know, the, that top-down mentality is, is, uh, is why we've continued to do that now. And then, you know, are now kind of on our second product, let's say. And that's really where we're at now, right? And so I think the the interesting thing with Shop Studio is, you know, right now we'll definitely see how uh, how much traction there is behind the product, what our customers want, is this, you know, is what we've built, what you know, and, and based on what they've told us, actually what they want, or yeah. is there something different? We really don't know that yet, and I think that's kind of what's uh, kind of the most exciting about this stage. Mm-hmm. Uh, so obviously, we're very. Uh, um, in, you know, invested or committed to the idea, but it's also going to be up to our customers and users to see what works for them. Um, and so I'm, I'm really excited to like really excited to see kind of these, these next few steps and, and how that, that evolves. And like I said, really the, the vision here for us is that we iterate and do this multiple times being very resource conscious. So I never say things like, Hey, I need like 10 developers or, mm-hmm. you know, so I think also maybe being a Kennedy company or maybe my approach to trying to be scrappy and entrepreneurial is to say, hey, like I started earlier, like I don't want to put developers on a project before I've done as much validation on the business and design side first, for example. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then when I do bring in engineers, I want to be very kind of creative on how I resource. So maybe it's Mm -hmm. a combination of, you know, co-op students, contractors, and maybe like a lead from within TTT that supports us, uh, you know, part-time or or full-time, depending on the commitment. So really trying to be, again, very creative with how we resource our projects so that we can take risk and and run these experiments. I think hope, or I hope at least, has been uh, you know the 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 reason the management team and the executive team is excited about kind of continuing uh, to do this, this these types of experiments. So, yeah, no, it's 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 definitely been a lot of fun and um, just like an amazing learning opportunity for for myself and I think for us as an organization. Like we're trying something new, uh, we've made the decision to try something new, and uh, yeah, it's just been really cool to see. Uh, our products, uh, you know, in the hands of the users. That's ultimately, you know, what we want. And um, yeah, just very excited kind of for for our launch for Shop Studio, which is now like officially on the App Store. So whether you Google us or you look at the Shopify App Store and find us, that's my like little plug. Uh, you know, it, it's it's out there now. And I think it's like, you know, you, you kind of take your, you know, I don't know, maybe baby and you take, take them to the nursery. I don't want to say college, you know, yeah. high school or going to college. It's really like a baby that's going to, a, you know, a preschool mm-hmm. and to see, you know, is is that baby going to thrive? <laughs> and that's really what we're hoping for is is, is uh, some really awesome early adoption. And I mean, your process makes a lot of sense. There's a lot of, I like how you said, like, there is an understanding of it, it being inherently risk. And I think it does come down from management. I mean, first the founders founding the company as well. But the idea is that, hey, we realize that we we could be the right people on it. There could be a lot of things. But there, at the end of the day, there is some risk that is out of your control, no matter mm-hmm. what you do. But I do think that it's very important to have that buy-in from the top. Mm-hmm. I always found uh, what's being the other inc- incubator style ones where it's like, mm-hmm. oh, hey, if we're investing in you, we need 30x within a year. Like this mm-hmm. is our what our products do. We need this from you. And that pressure can all first be unrealistic for some products because there might be a you know long term, take a little while, or individuals not really understanding how a startup works or a small company works. I think yeah. a lot of times you watch on TV, you're like, oh, if my startup isn't a billion dollars by the end of the year, I failed. Mm-hmm. That is well, if you if, if you could do that consistently, first of all, you're a trillion dollar business. Yeah. And you keep doing that. There's all that inherent. You know, time it takes, knowledge it takes. 
from your experience, obviously doing this two times now, what do you think are either the misconceptions or why do you think some organizations who try this might not be as successful as they think? Is there some things you learned that you feel are you're taking for granted or a little bit more difficult than it seems? Yeah, uh, really good question. Um, maybe like I'd say like one of the things for sure is is not getting too, in the early stages, like too attached to a single idea, mm-hmm. really feeling like, Let's come to, with, to this with an open mind. Uh, let's uh, you know have discussions and debates that are qualitative. At the same time, try to link things that are qualitative, quantitative, so we can make some uh, see how things kind of rank in comparison mm-hmm. to, to one another. And um, yeah, like again, I think the reason I say that I think you know there is a lot of ideas that I think even came up last year that I'm still like, hmm. No one's done that yet or being like, oh, my God, we had this idea a year ago and now we're seeing maybe another startup that, that you know, saw a gap in the market, that gap that we identified and is now pursuing that idea. So, again, it's, it's that that's been really kind of interesting uh, mm-hmm. to think about is, is just don't get too attached and, and and realizing that any any time you spend also just deep diving into like 20 ideas is just an, a lost opportunity cost as well. So I think for us, like we wanted to do the deep dives when we had about four of them, mm-hmm. but we also knew that at some point we needed to focus on one because again, when I'm working on four, I'm only working a quarter of my time on, mm-hmm. you know, on, on these, each, each, each one. So it was really that idea of how do we um, also make that decision to start, start focusing. I think that's definitely one big thing. Um, and I would say, I'm trying to think what, what other kind of big thing is, um, I think just, yeah, running more experiments. Like, I think, I think we're doing a good job with that, but I, I honestly think that like something that I don't think I'll ever have enough of is yeah. touch points with users, uh, throughout the process. So I think I did, we did a lot of that early on pre-development. Uh, we did that a lot, I'd say in the last couple of months, kind of pre-launch, I would probably say that kind of in the middle of development, we were maybe a bit too much in the weeds and, and mm-hmm. should have maybe come up for air a couple of times to get kind of more feedback. Um, but I think those, yeah, those those customer touch points, mm-hmm. um, you know, during the development stage are, I think, very important. And I think, you know, now that we've launched, again, we still have obviously capacity yeah. to change and, and upgrade the product and stuff, but it's really thinking about... Um, yeah, always keep in mind, like you're building this for someone. Uh, it's easy to forget that, honestly. Like, I, I think you probably hear that from everyone out there. But, uh, and I thought I was like, I had that in my mind. So I was like, ah, oh, you know, I'm immune to not, I'm not going to fall into that trap. But the reality is you get into this build mode, mm-hmm. uh, you know, building blocks, build mode, mm-hmm. that you forget that, hey, I need to actually kind of look around me, make sure that I'm talking to the person next to me, uh, or I'm talking to the person who I'm building this for. Um and, and doing that, I think the more and more you do that, the better. And, and we've tried definitely to, 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 to do that here as well. And I think two things that seem important is one is like for you spending your whole time working on developing these ideas. I think one of the challenges I've seen is that if someone's like, hey, can you start a new company? You know, 10% of your time can go there, 20% of your time. Mm-hmm. I think that is one issue is if you're half thinking of it, it's very hard to start anything, especially when you're competing with startups who have maybe mm-hmm. a few founders who are in undergrad who have no dependence, can spend all their mm-hmm. time on it. You do need to commit that time. For sure. And, and another thing I think, which is interesting, which I'm surprised to hear is, is the scrappiness as well. I think people sometimes don't realize that, for example, if TTT was like, hey, here's you know a million dollars, figure it out. The more, I think the same with getting funding. The more money you have or are given, 
the more return that has to come from it. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So I think it's, it was a smart of, especially with you saying, okay, we don't need a full-time developer. We still have to test all these things. Okay, we have an idea. We've talked to a few people. <laughs> Let's get things started quite slowly. And I think yeah. to some people that might sound like, oh, that's a, you know, why don't you just go pedal to the metal and launch yeah. right away? Yeah. But you need I, to talk to so many customers. Exactly. And I think the one key thing that I guess I keep coming back to, and I don't remember when I thought of this or said this the first time, but it, I keep coming back to this is like, you know, is this problem a problem that we can solve if we had more money? And like, you know, you can argue that, yeah, sometimes if you had, you know, an infinite amount of money, you hire more people to solve a certain problem. Mm -hmm. But I actually argue in a lot of the like innovation, creativity, uh, especially earlier stages, um, no, having more money maybe doesn't really doesn't doesn't help. You actually need that time to let ideas brew while you speak to people, while you connect the dots, and you know, having ten x resources. Maybe having a little bit more resources might help, but but like having a lot more resources won't help. So it definitely helps being scrappy. And then same thing when you build, right? Again, like you know, you definitely want to go from zero to one. And then like, I, I really do think that, you know, you want to go from zero to one and then one to 10. So I think once you get to the one, you want to put in the resources and really drive it forward. Once you start seeing potential mm -hmm. for uh, some kind of product market fit, but from one to zero, yeah, you have to still be, I think, very kind of cognizant of every, you know, resource that you spend. Um, yeah, just just really purely because yeah, you don't know what's happening. Like you're you're learning as you build. Ultimately, like I think for us, that's again I think a huge takeaway is that we've learned so much in the process of building the app uh, or the solution that that uh, yeah, like again having more money, I don't think would have helped. For example, so I think that scrappiness of of you know trying to build something in house with um, a creative you know set of resources. Uh, but also, again, like I said, you know, we still have a team. Like, it's not like we're just bringing in anyone. Like, we still do have like a, a sem semblance of a team, and I think that's also important. So, you know, not to undermine that that thought, we do have a, like a, at least people who've contributed, let's say, to Shop Studio Live. You know, we know who those people are. They've everyone's helped us in very different capacities. Um, so there is a team for sure, but it's not. We're definitely very aware of how we do that as well. So. Yeah, it's and, an experiment. So <laughs> yeah, I, I like how you keep going back because it, it's an experiment. I think mm -hmm. that what, what's all a lot of people forget. I feel is especially in the corporate setting when innovation mm -hmm. may be tough, is that people always view an innovation as something that has to give an ROI in the short term. But mm -hmm. really, innovation is just like some might say getting an MBA. It's you know, it's long term. You're looking for the future. Mm -hmm. So yeah. maybe in a year you might spend some money, lose some money. But the idea mm -hmm. is that by keep doing it, eventually. Yeah culture changes, people change, and you get some results. But exactly. it's a very interesting conversation. This is one of my, by far my unique ones, especially when it comes to, it's rare you can hear of such a well-laid-out process to mm -hmm. go from an ideation to a organization and a, a living, breathing company. Mm -hmm. So what kind of, I guess to end it off, what are the next steps? What's the next you know thing for Shop Live? Is there is there a time when you get to hand it off? Kind of what is the future look yeah. for you? Yeah. So, I mean, you know, we've officially just launched yesterday. So really for me, I think over the next, uh, you know, little while it's seeing what kind of traction is there with this, you know, core product that we've built, um, you know, and obviously we'll be doing some, you know, marketing and, and, and maybe some paid marketing, some organic marketing, some PR to get the word out there uh, and really see what happens. Now, if we start feeling like there is traction and, and maybe people are now asking us for more features, right? I think that's very common. We have a lot of ideas, but I think that what I'm hoping is that 
if we start getting to that point where people are saying, hey, this is really cool. I want this and I want that. And maybe if I, you know, ha- had this feature, I'd be willing to pay more. And, and we've kind of tried to allude to that in the sense of, um, you know, on our pricing on our website, really, we have an intro plan, which is the one we have now. But yeah. I also kind of have an imaginary plan out there that's like, hey, we want to build a bunch of other features that are going to be more expensive. Uh, but, you know, kind of tell us what those features are. Like, we know we're going to put in a lot more, you know, more resources into this. So really that idea of, of seeing where it goes. Uh, and then, yeah, ultimately, yeah, if, if we do see that success and then that that traction, then it's definitely looking at it, finding a team uh, who has like either experience in e-commerce or marketing tech or what have you that that wants to come uh, help us build. Like ultimately, that's, you know, that's kind of the chance that TT just took on me when they brought me in for Amanda AI. And that's really what I want to hopefully find in the next uh, group of people that are going to come and build a shop studio live. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, that would then take me to go kind of, again, go back through that ideation process and, and essentially do do that, you know, the second time around. And, and you know, throughout this whole uh, building phase of Shop Studio Live, we've definitely kept the funnel open in the sense of, you know, when people sometimes will slack me in the company now, you know, and say, hey, I thought of this idea or someone will say, you know, uh, I was at my vet and like they said X, Y, Z. And so like I'll take a lot of notes. I actually have like a full kind of. Uh, idea handbook right now, but we'll probably still do the staff engagement process as well to see, you know, what's out there, you know, pick a theme, engage with the staff and see what's next. Um, But that's really it for us. I think, you know, just keep building, keep hopefully doing, you know, one or two of these businesses uh, a year internally. And, and really, like you said, really seeing uh, and and planning for uh, some kind of uh, outshining success or outstanding success as well from one of them. For sure. Or many of them, not one of them. Yeah. And and it's such an exciting journey. It's so unique to hear of a company, not only an innovative company, but an innovative company innovating, creating innovative companies. It's almost Mm -hmm. like one of those dolls with like a business in a business, which is very exciting. Um, But yeah, thank you again for coming on the show. It was very exciting. Awesome. Thank you so much, Brendan. 